Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, we are wrapping up the series, Back Porch Conversations, and this is the last weekend uh, for this series. Next weekend, we are starting a brand new series called Prepare, and I hope that you will be here next weekend. Um, You know, I I said this last weekend, these next uh, few months are probably some of the most important months in the history of this church. And I I believe with all of my heart that what we are getting ready to step into in the season that we are in, it's just as big as when Creekwood started and we were in Rogene Worley or we were in Mansfield High School. And the moment and the bigness of that moment, that's the kind of moment we are in as a church. And over the next few weeks as we uh, jump in to prepare, and you're going to hear us talk a lot about this, is this is going to be a season for us to seek God about the future of this church and really preparing our hearts and, and preparing ourselves as a church to be used by God. You know, you've heard me talk so much about the 108 acres that God has blessed Creekwood with, and it is just an amazing miracle. And so many of you have had an opportunity to go out there, and, uh, you know, God's entrusted us with a lot. And so this prepare season is going to be all about us just seeking God and preparing our hearts for what does God want to do on this land. So I hope that you're going to be here next weekend. But today, as I said, we are in the last weekend of Back Porch Conversations. And last weekend, I introduced to you this table, the table of truth. And we talked about the table of truth, and we're going to talk about the table of truth again this weekend. Um, There's so much to, to be said about this table. And I do believe that there is is a great power, great wins for our life when we learn to embrace the table of truth. At the table of truth, everybody say table of truth. truth. Just want to make sure you guys are awake. Um, The table of truth, there are two seats. There is the seat of the truth teller. And the, the seat of truth teller, it's, it's oftentimes this is a hard seat to jump into because it's risky, it is um, dangerous oftentimes when you have to sit in there, sit in the seat of the truth teller and be able to speak the truth. The seat of the truth here is also a seat that can be, be easy to get into, but it's, it's hard to stay in it because this is a place we get offended. This is a place we get upset. This is the place that we're not real happy because somebody is telling us the truth. And I want to ask you this question, and I want you to think about this because I know it's easy when you start taking, talking about the table of truth, you're thinking automatically about people you wish were here today to hear this because you're like, those people need this. I don't need this, but those people need it. You need this. All of us need this. I I can assure you that all of us have that one conversation that we need to have with somebody in our life that can be life-changing. 
Whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with a coworker, whether it's a boss and an employee, whether sitting at the table of truth with your son or your daughter, or sitting at the table of truth with your parents, all of us have that one conversation, those big conversations where the truth, where the honesty needs to be there. And one of the reasons why we don't see the table of truth as a friend, most of us automatically, when you hear me talk about the table of truth, you're automatically in your mind going to, this is a crisis scenario. Anytime you go to the table of truth, it's because there's a crisis. And most of us, that's the way we have been brought up. That's the way we think about the table of truth. It's all around a crisis scenario. And, you, you know, for some of us, when you think about the table of truth, you're like, man, oh, my word, I told God about that stuff. Now Pastor Stephen is telling me I got to sit at the table of truth and I got to confess everything that I've done wrong. I don't want to go to the table of truth. Jesus is forgiving me. Why do I got to go do that? And we, we just kind of go there in a negative way oftentimes. And what I want to do today is I want to just challenge you to reel that in, to reel that in today and begin to to look at this. What if we were to become skillful? What if we were to become skillful at the table of truth? That we would learn to, in a healthy way, let the table of truth be a catalyst for us to change, for us to grow. You know, you think about the reason why so many of us in our marriages, man, marriages, and this is not a marriage talk today, but I can think of the table of truth is probably one of the greatest things that could happen in your marriage. Because most of us are in marriages that, that we're not really talking about the truth. And we wait till there's a crisis before we learn to, to sit in the, the seat of being the truth teller and, and talking about truly what's going on. And, and, and again, like, think about this. I, I, some of you, you're stuck in a career. You're stuck in, in, in a place in, at your job, and you're like blaming your boss. You're blaming everybody in the world. And what if it's because you're not willing to sit at the table of truth and let your boss, boss really tell you the truth about why You are sabotaging your life. That your attitude or the way you work or the way you deal with things. And I'm telling you, the table of truth, it's your friend. It's uncomfortable. It's it's often awkward, but it is something that we needed in our life. I'm going to go so far to say this to you, that at the table of truth, it's really the place that God does the supernatural work in our life. It is. It's one of the most powerful things that you can, can know in your life. John 8, 32 says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It doesn't just say that the truth sets you free. It says you gotta know the truth to be set free. Knowing the truth is how we are set free. And last weekend, we talked about an Old Testament story and how many of you remember the Old Testament story we talked about uh, last weekend? Okay, a few of y'all remember, the rest of y'all, like, just hurt my feelings with your honesty. Y- y'all got to the table of truth this morning, and you just hurt my feelings because you don't remember. 
Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but we talked about Nehemiah. And the story of Nehemiah is just an amazing story. And, you know, Nehemiah went to the table of truth. And, and if you understand uh, the story, that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And he worked for a king that was not his king. He was in a foreign land. He was not in his hometown. And, and um, Nehemiah, one of the rules that he knew he had to live by and abide, he could never show any kind of sadness Never show any kind of emotion. He worked for the king. He had to uh, serve the king wine, and, and that was his job. And one day the king noticed that he was sad, and um, Nehemiah said, I had never been sad before in front of the king. And, and the king asked him what was wrong, and Nehemiah sat in the seat of being the truth teller. And with great courage... And at the risk of losing his life, he sat at the, ta- at the table of truth and in the seat of being the truth teller, and he began to share his heart, and he began to talk about that the walls of Jerusalem were in disarray, they were broken, they were on the ground, and the king and queen sat in the seat of the truth here, and they listened to his, his the truth that he was sharing, and listen to me, the fact that he had the courage to share this, the king and the queen gave him permission to leave. They backed him financially. He was able to go do what he couldn't do had he not sat at the table of truth. And this brings us now to a, another part of the story that I want to show you today that I, that I believe that, that is important when you talk about the table of truth. We're going to talk about this. And so... Nehemiah, he leaves the palace and, and he has got the financial backing of the king and the queen and he is, is going. He's got his, his, his team, his closest people with him. They go to Jerusalem and they're doing an evaluation. They're walking around the city and they're looking at everything. And they realize that it doesn't look good. And this is what happens. They, he gets his team together and they sit at the table of truth and listen to what it says in Nehemiah 2, 17. It says, then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in. In other words, you can see for yourself the situation we're in, it's not good. It's really bad. That Jerusalem is desolate and its gates torn down. Burned by fire, come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. Now, two things I want you to notice about um, his words here. The first thing is this, is number one, he says we're in a bad situation. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't downplay it. He just said we're in a bad situation. It's, It's bad. Now, I want to remind you, Nehemiah loves the city. Nehemiah uh, is not against the city. Nehemiah cares about the city. He cares about this, but he's willing to be honest and states what he sees when he sits at the table of truth. He says, we're not in a good place. It looks really, really bad. It's not good. You know, this is hard sometimes for people to tell us the truth, right? 
Like just to say the truth about what's going on, it's, it's hard. A close friend of mine, uh, his name is Randy, and, and he was telling me this story a few weeks ago that this happened uh, to him when they, they had uh, traveled to Atlanta and their, their flight had been delayed. And uh, he was sharing this story. It was, it was kind of like, man, this is kind of scary. But it, he landed with his wife into Atlanta and it was like midnight. They got the rent-a-car. They got in the car and they start to pull out of the airport. They don't really know where they're going. They're looking at their phones, trying to figure out where to go and stuff. And as they're pulling out, Onto the road, they cut somebody off, and his wife says, you just cut those people off, and, and then all of a sudden, these people are, are getting up right next to them, and they're honking their horn really loud, and, and they've got their, their window down, and they didn't go like this. I know nobody does that anymore, right? <laughs> they did the little button, and, and they rolled their window down, but their window was down. They're screaming at him, and he's getting real nervous. He's just kind of like... Looking forward, he tells his wife, he says, Kelly, don't look over, the, don't have eye contact with him. He, he, those people, they're yelling at him. It's like, like major road rage. How many of you have ever experienced road rage? It's, it's, it's terrifying, and, and these, they're, they're really scared. They're driving, and they're trying to focus. His wife's getting, getting her phone out. She's, she's watched a little too much 2020. Nightline, whatever. She's like, there are people get, getting shot and stuff, and she's getting ready to call 911. And he's just staying focused. They're next to him. They're yelling. They get behind him. They're flashing their lights. They're putting it on. They're putting their lights on 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 high beam. They race in front of them, and they get in front of them, and they go way up, and then they slam on their brakes like they're wanting them to be rear-ended. Then they get back on the side again, and they're doing the same thing. They're, they got their window down. They're yelling at them. And then all of a sudden, Randy looks down, and he says, oh, my word, our headlights are not on. <laughs> he turns his headlights on, and then the people, he looks over, and the people got the window down, and they're going like this to him. You know, when you know the truth, good things happen. <laughs> Nehemiah loves this city, but he, he is willing to state the fact that it's not good. He doesn't, like, skirt around the table and kind of walk around it and kind of like, this is what we do when we don't want to really say the truth. We kind of like... We'll drop a couple hints, and if you're kind of like one of those aggressive people, I know we don't have any of those people at Creekwood, that's just kind of a, like you're really aggressive, then you start to really be obnoxious, and like you're really dropping sarcastic hints about really the true condition of what's going on. But a lot of us, again, don't want to sit in our marriage and we don't want to sit in our relationships, in our marriage, and, and sit in the, in the seat of, of, of being the truth teller and saying, you know what? We're really dysfunctional. Our marriage, um, it, we are so dysfunctional. And I, I'm worried about what it's going to do to our daughter or our son. 
you know, um, man, we don't love each other anymore. We don't want to sit in that, and we don't want to really state the truth. And it's like we've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because <laughs> it's getting really quiet in here, and if I could sing, it could break the, you know, like, get, it, get y'all laughing a little bit. But we've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, 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 how's it go? All the old people are laughing in here. The young people don't know what that song is, but it was a good song. But we're not willing to, to like, to really say this is what it's like. Um, man, um, I'm offended. We don't want to state the truth. We don't, we don't want to say that, that, like, who are we kidding? We're not healthy. This isn't working out. Most of us, the reason why we are not experiencing healing is we're not sitting at the table of truth and we're not talking about the true condition of what things are really like. This is happening with friendships. This is happening with bosses and and employees. This is happening between fathers and sons. We're not willing to really state the truth. We avoid the truth. And what I, what I want you to see today is that, listen to me again, and I want to say this again and again. This is your friend. And the table of truth is a great place to start. And Nehemiah says, he says, it, it doesn't look good. But then I love what he says. This. The second part of that scripture that we read, he, said, he, says, he says, it doesn't look good, but he says, I love this city. We need to rise up and we need to rebuild it. See, the the table of truth is not just a place to complain about how bad things are. It's a place to state the truth, but then it's also a place to be positive and say, you know what, I love, I believe in our marriage. I believe in you as an employee. I believe in you as a son. I believe in our friendship. Man, it's so sad to think about some of you in this place, you have lost friends that you have been lifetime friends, but because you weren't willing to sit at the table of truth, what happened is you just kind of drifted off. You just kind of drifted off. Some of you are losing your relationship with your son, your daughter, because you're just kind of, your son is just kind of drifting off because you're not willing to, to state the obvious and be, sit at the table of truth and say, son, daughter, we, I want to talk to you about this. I love you. I believe in, I love you with all of my heart, but what you're doing is not a good idea. I, I, I spoke about this last weekend. If you're not here, we're not here last weekend. The, the value of, listen, for, for parents and students, your kids, for you to teach your kids that this is their friend and this is a place that, that you invite that, that open communication where you can talk about things and you can invite, like if, if you're a student here where you invite your parents to say, Dad, what do you think about the girl that I'm dating? Man, some of you parents, if your son said that, you would fall over. Because most of the time it's like, dad, you're like 
like Satan's brother, whatever. Because she's a good girl or whatever. And, and, and we don't have that kind of, listen to me. If you're 16, 17 years old and you're, date, you're starting to kind of date, you need the table of truth with your parents. Man, I wish I could help you understand this. This table is your friend, and your parents can speak truth into your life to say, you know what, maybe you're, listen, you date her, but don't, you know, like, you need to be careful because you're getting emotionally wrapped up in this. It's important, but listen to me. The table of truth can be a positive place. It does not need to be a place that we abuse I can guarantee you my name has been misused a lot this past week. Because people have said, Pastor Stephen talked about going to the table of truth. And bless God, I'm going to the table of truth. And I'm going to tell them what I'm thinking. And I'm going to go tell you that you are blah, 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 blah. And Pastor Stephen said that. And I didn't say that. The table of truth, it's, it's a place to be positive. And he says this, let's rise up and let's rebuild this. The, listen, the greatest thing you can do in your marriage, the greatest thing your employer can do is tell you the truth about your life, but then also encourage to say, you know what? We can do this. We can rebuild this. This can be a place that can make us better. It is the table of truth. When you learn to be honest and you learn to, to say we can rebuild this, it is where your love is galvanized. It is where the passion is galvanized, where the, the, the hope, the unity, it is, it is where it is galvanized. Nehemiah says the truth is this city is a mess, but we can rebuild it. And we're gonna, we, we are going to do this, and he has this confidence. You know, Psalms 27.3 says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear, though, my, though war break out against me, even then I will be confident you know, so many times, um, again, people often believe that being positive means having to avoid the truth. And we just want to be positive. Everybody, we, we just got to be positive. Let's just be positive in our relationship. Let's just be positive with our kids. Let's just be positive with our coworkers. And we think that being positive is avoiding the truth. And I would disagree with you. I think we're hurting um, our relationships, we're hurting our employees, we're hurting our kids when we don't understand that, that, that being positive, part of being positive is that you have to have the truth in it. We're, what's, what, what is concerning to me, and, and you see this a lot in our culture, is kind of, and I know it's an overreaction to parents that have been super negative and overbearing with their kids, but now all of a sudden it's like for the little kids, the little, little kids, you go to their sporting events and they, they're not, they're like, we don't need to keep score because we don't want little Johnny to get upset. And, and um, it, they're making it almost impossible for, for, for uh, teachers, even in our school, schools sometimes, to really fail anybody. Everybody has to fail and everybody gets a gold star, like whether you did your homework or not. And, and you don't want to, we don't want to tell Johnny you lost the game. They, they, they got four and you got two and you lost. We don't want to tell them because we want to be positive. 
But I, I want to tell you something. You're not helping them. You're hurting them because you're not preparing them for real, real life. What if we were to use it as a catalyst in their life? Use this, the truth, use it as a catalyst and say, Johnny, they got four, you got two, we lost the game. But listen, Johnny, next week there's another game. And if you'll work hard and you, you will show up and you will play hard, you can be a champion. You're not going to get a trophy today, but next week you might get a trophy. You work hard. It's, it's, it's using the truth to champion, to, to push us as a catalyst to say, you know what, you're not going to get a gold star or, or an A plus because you didn't do your homework. They did their homework. They're going to get that, but you're not going to get that. But you know what, I believe in you. You need to go do your homework and listen to me. You can get that too if you'll work hard. I think it's one of the most unhealthy things that we're doing in our culture. And, and again, listen to me. I, I think that we've got to be willing to, to, to challenge each other, use this as a challenge, to build on the, on, the, on the truth in our relationships and whatever aspect that this applies. You know, Michael Jordan uh, is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And if, if, if you disagree, it's okay for you to be wrong. Um, <laughs> But do you know that he was cut from his high school basketball team? Like they cut him. And I think he did pretty good after that. Um, think about this. Walt Disney was actually fired by the Kansas City Star newspaper in 1919. And the editor, listen, said he lacked imagination. <laughs> that he didn't have any good ideas. We got to build on the challenge and say, we can, we know the truth of what this is like, but we can do this. We can rebuild. Knowing the truth is so important. Like you think about your gas gauge. I know that's a touchy subject for some of us, but I know you would be like, your gas gauge is supposed to tell you the truth. Like, if your gas gauge told you, always said it was full, but it was really empty, and it wasn't working, would you still feel good about it? Some of y'all would. That's how sick you are. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. You're like, I'm not going back to that church anymore. Pastor said I'm sick. Like, don't you want your gas gauge to tell you the truth? Like, we're at a half a tank. We're at a quarter tank. I need to know the truth. I want my gas gauge to tell me the truth, and this is why this table is your friend. It's why you need to see this table as your friend and embrace it and learn to use it, not in a crisis all the time, but learn that continually to say, let's sit at the table of truth, let's talk about this, let's be honest, and we can truthfully speak it without getting crazy mad, crazy offended, and be able to say, you know what, we love each other, we love this, we... We value you as an employee, whatever it is. Let me just give you a couple things real quick that I'd like for you to write down as, as we kind of wrap this up today um, that, that are important when it comes to the table of truth. Don't go to the table of truth with the wrong person. 
Don't go to the table of the truth. You know, with the wrong person, there are people that don't want your input. There are people that, that don't care what you think. Listen, uh, Jesus avoided those kind of people. And if, if they're not willing to receive it and, and, and um, uh, listen, you need to move on. Don't go to the wrong don't go to the table with the wrong person. Listen, if you're having trouble in your marriage, do not go to your girlfriend or your boyfriend to talk bad about your, your spouse. Well, that didn't sound right. No. Time out. Y'all, gosh. You should not have. Okay, we're going to dismiss in prayer because y'all, Y'all are not playing fair today, okay? <laughs> don't go to people, don't go to some friend. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody just said, there you go. Uh, <laughs> don't go to some friend to talk bad about your spouse. Don't go to a coworker to talk bad about your spouse. We're, we, you need to go to your pastor, pastoral staff, to a therapist. Your friends don't need to hear about it. Your mother-in-law doesn't need to hear about it. Because the enemy will use her. I'm I'm kidding. Don't go to the table of truth at the wrong time. Like late at night when everybody's like tired and stuff. Don't go to the, don't like go. You're, you know, they're they're already asleep. Wake up. We're going to talk about this right now. It's not a good idea. Don't go to the table of truth in the wrong place. Listen, most of the time it needs to be in a private place, but if you're going to the table of truth with somebody that's explosive and angry, you need to do it in a public place. If they're going to act a fool, the world needs to see what kind of fool they are. Uh, Don't go to the table of truth as an intruder into other people's business. Proverbs 26, 17 says, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into quarrel, into a quarrel not their own. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 needs to be on your refrigerator. You should mind your own business. <laughs> Say that scripture to you every day. When you get up, point that finger at you and go, mind your own business. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible. Um, Number, number five, don't go to the table of truth about sins in your past unless it's affecting you now or the person you're in a relationship with now. So many times when you talk about the table of truth, we want to go pull up everything we've done in the past. We're like, you know, to our, our boss, we're like back in, you know, 25 years ago or whatever. Back in 1984, I worked this job and I lied to my boss every time I turned around. And I just want you to know that I used to lie all the time. Don't do that. If it's not affecting you now, and not affecting that relationship right now, some of those things, listen to me, you don't need to bring it up. It's just going to be hurtful to that person. Number six, don't go to the table of truth when you're in a bad mood. And that's, that's the last area. And um, I think that speaks for itself. If, our feelings go up and down, and if you know you know yourself enough, if you're not in a good mood, that's not a good time to go to the table of truth. Ephesians 4, 15 says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. When we speak the truth in love, we will grow. 
We will grow when we speak the truth in love. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, today for the people in our lives that you have placed, our bosses, our our parents, our friends, our spouses. Father, thank you, Lord, for those people that you have placed in our life. God, I pray that we would embrace and see the table of truth as a true friend. God, that we would become skillful at sitting at the table of truth. Father, I pray over every person today that, God, you would empower all of us, God, to embrace us. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.